Well, this is the start of our study of the book of Galatians. We're going to hopefully um, take that over the weeks ahead between now and round about the end of December. So my role this morning is really just a, an introductory role to uh, talk about why the letter was written, talk about who it was written to, and to try and give us some grounding as to uh, the purposes of these letters uh, that are in the, the Bible, the New Testament, particularly uh, many of them written by Paul, and what we can gain from them, and what we can benefit from the study of it. So what I'd like to do, first of all, is to turn to the book of Acts, to just, first of all, try and establish whereabouts uh, these churches were. Um, the area of Galatia is, in my um, investigation, is a little bit suspect. We're not too sure exactly where it was, uh, other than to say that it was in the middle of what we now know as Turkey. And the actual borders, um, I've been looking and reading a few commentaries uh, I think they must have shifted kind of fairly regularly, um, maybe around 2,000 years ago with the, the Romans and their involvement uh, with the Greeks. Uh, uh, so looking at the maps um, and trying to establish them, I think we can be pretty clear <clears throat> or clear enough that there were areas within Galatia um, that were parts of Galatia. And so there's probably uh, four churches. Uh, there's a church that was planted called Antioch. There was one called Iconium, one called Lystra, and then the fourth one, Derby. We think these four were all in the area of Galatia. It talks about um, Antioch. Uh, <coughs> I'll just actually read it. It was. Let's just turn to Acts chapter 13, first of all. What I want to do is we'll, we'll read about Paul's journeys there. And when he comes to these places, I'll stop and um, just maybe try and establish where they were and how long they stayed there. As you know, Paul had three uh, journeys that are referred to in Acts, and this is the first one uh, we're reading about um, in chapter 13 and 14. So this was the first time that they went out. So reading in um, chapter 13, verse 1, just to get the beginning of this trip, and it's referring to the church at Antioch, and that's Antioch in Syria. That was on the, the coast or the extreme east end of the um, Mediterranean Sea, on the coast of Syria. And that's where a church of God was has been planted, and that's where we start to read from. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, 
Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Now I'll stop there at the moment. This is just the beginning and it's just to help establish that this journey was of the Lord. It was of the Holy Spirit. It was not just a whim of man. This was something that had clearly got the hand of God in it. And that's why I just read this at the beginning of chapter 13, that they were being sent out, not by men, they were being sent out by God. We go to verse 13. Now this is, they'd gone to Cyprus, and it says, From Paphos, Paul and his companion sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John, that's not the Apostle John, this is John who was also known as Mark, left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga they went on to Pisidian Antioch. Now Pisidian is, I believe, an area that is in Galatia. It's in the southern part of Galatia. So just so it's not confused with the Antioch that we read about at the beginning of chapter 13, which is Antioch, Syria. This is Pisidian Antioch, which is in Galatia. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word for them saying, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul, motioned with his hands and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And he went on, we haven't got time to read it, to teach them in the synagogue. Now it's worth just picking up at this point that the gospel was always to be given, first of all, to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. It's interesting, though, that whenever you read of Paul going to a new city, uh, the first place he went to was a synagogue because it was an ideal place in, in which to preach because you got invited and people were invited to, to speak their mind <laughs> and to, uh, to say what they wanted to say. And also, interestingly enough, in the synagogue was not just Jews. There were also uh, Gentiles there who believed in God, believed on the God of Israel. Um, they wouldn't have been Christians, I don't believe, but they would have been people who would have been interested to debate and discuss with the Jews about the God of, of Israel. So he, he had an ideal opportunity there to, to go every time he went into a new city to kick-start things <laughs> in, in that way. And so... This is what he did at Antioch. Um, we go on to verse 42. 
As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and they talked exclusively, sorry, abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the God-fearing woman of high standing and leading men of the city they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So that's the first town in Galatia that, um, where the Church of God was planted there. Uh, by Paul and Barnabas and that was their first in, uh, uh, experience in that area. We move on to the next town which uh, Iconium was about 90 miles from Antioch so they, they moved on to uh, that place uh, because they shook the dust off because they were effectively kicked out <laughs> Uh, but you see, before we leave it, you see the um, power of the Holy Spirit that worked in that, in that city before they left. So just by uh, Paul and Barnabas preaching in the synagogue for a few Sabbaths, and they had got the whole city um, enthralled with what they were saying. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working in the hearts but then of course as soon as you get that you get Satan actively involved in combating it and hence the Jews and it's mainly the Jews that work against uh, Paul and Barnabas in trying to de um, deflect this truth away because it was going to affect them particularly. If we read in chapter 14, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. 
there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to ill-treat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lysonian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. So I believe this is all in Galatia. So when we're coming to the letter written to the churches of God in Galatia, these are the ones that they would have been um, recipient of. In Lystra there was a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw this, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lysonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But the apostles Barnabas and Paul, when they heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We are only men human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from those worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Verse 19. Some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Verse 21, they preached the good news in that city, that's Derby, and won a large number of disciples. When they, then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Poseidon, they came into Pamphylia and then they went on. So basically that, as far as Galatia was concerned, was the first trip of uh, Paul and Barnabas and the planting of the churches there, the reception that they, they got, which initially was positive, but then you see the satanic power coming in, pushing against him, mainly coming from the Jews who were jealous and who were concerned that this was false doctrine that was going to take people away from the Jewish faith. They then went back to Antioch uh, in Syria, and eventually went back to Jerusalem. Now you can turn to chapter 16, where again the Paul had set out a second time. And then we just read in chapter 16, 
that he came to Derby and then to Lystra. There a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer and whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews. I'm, I'm reading that because that's relevant in what we're going to be talking about later on in the months ahead in the letter that <coughs> Paul wrote. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem, so they were passing on instruction for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in number. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And then just to complete on the third journey, if we turn to chapter 18. Verse 23. So this is again a third journey after Paul had completed his second one. He went out a third time. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and travelled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. That's just a a very brief background and geography of the area. So the area we're talking about is in the centre of Turkey, maybe slightly to the south. It was known as Galatia. These churches that were planted, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra and Derby, uh, that's the ones we believe are the four that Paul wrote to when he wrote the the letter to the Galatians. And although there's other regions mentioned which I've referred to, we still believe that they are part of Galatia. Okay. Lastly, I think it's just, uh, I've got a reference in 1 Peter when uh, just as a, a link, if you like, with the fact that it wasn't just Paul doing this on his own. Uh, 1 Peter 1 and 1, so you get the letter of Peter, um, that Peter wrote a letter as an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he wrote it to God's elect, strangers in the world gathered throughout Pontus, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So you get Peter there just confirming the fact that he wrote to the churches of God in Galatia. Now, what was the purpose of Paul writing to them? I think if you, um, if we can just turn to the the book of Galatians now, (coughs) and I'll just read just the very first few verses. So Galatians chapter 1, 
Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. And then I just want to read verse 6 as well. He starts the main part of his letter by saying, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then just over to chapter 5 of Galatians, <clears throat> verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then verse 13 of chapter 5. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So when we just consider for a moment, uh, Paul is uh, hearing about con concerns for the churches of God in Galatia. Communication, of course, 2,000 years ago was very, very different to what it is now. I think it's important for us just to dwell on that for a few minutes because letters were all written by hand uh, in parchment, parchments and delivered in person. As far as I'm aware, there was no post office or anything similar at that time. It was all done by courier either by people that you knew or uh, knew were going to an area and they delivered them on your behalf. So information gleaning was more, a lot more difficult and certainly took a lot longer than it does today. So when the, was the churches of God were being established, um, although they were uh, clearly empowered by the Holy Spirit in as much that they happened very quickly. They happened in very strong, powerful teaching from men that had been called of God to do so and had the ability to do so and were teaching a new uh, doctrine that was eagerly received by uh, fertile minds and hearts because people then were used to um, receiving information in that way. That was how it was done. Of course, there's no television, radio, uh, media, uh, social media or anything like that. So the, you, you, the only way you, you learned anything was for people coming there and actually speaking. Or if they wrote things down and then it would be read out to a congregation for them to absorb. So it would be very hard to even get copies of letters that were mainly um, uh, reliant on just listening and taking it in. And it's 
amazing when you read how quickly, after about two or three uh, ministries at the synagogues, that that had the effect it had of people accepting or rejecting uh, what had been said. And then the establishing of saying, as soon as they see it, they did it. Again, it's very different to what we are familiar with today. If you talk to somebody about for, uh, why we worship in a house of God, why we um, do what we do, immediately they will say, well, why? Uh, let's think about it and let's find out what everybody else is doing and let's can compare it and let's check the scriptures. To, and, you know, it, it seems to get prolonged. And some, in many cases, it gets lost. The truth that we believe in gets lost in confusion and mist of so many false doctrines out there that I mean, you end up thinking, well, what do we believe? I, I believe in these days it's a lot more simple. You either were a, a Jew believing in uh, the Jewish God and the law of Moses, or you were a Gentile who were mainly idol worshippers. So when it comes forward, this new gospel, the gospel of Christ, all Christ-centered, this was new, this was fresh, and they, they could easily, or more easily, compare it with uh, what they already had. So I'm just mentioning that for thought, and possibly for discussion. Um, but equally, whilst they had received it w willingly and absorbed it and were thrilled by it and um, wanted to uh, accept everything that the apostle had given them and the church of God is established and they, they go on and Paul leaves them, then you read, in, as we just read in chapter uh, one of Galatians and verse six, he was astonished that they very quickly deserted it because uh, false teachers had come in. Now I'm mentioning this because the question I'm trying to answer is why was this letter written in the first place? And this is because Paul had got wind or got news that false teachers had come amongst them. And these false teachers were challenging um, salvation by faith. And what they were saying is, and teaching was that you needed the law of Moses as well. And you needed to be circumcised and you needed to keep the Sabbath and you needed to follow the law of Moses as well as accepting Jesus Christ as your saviour. And this was causing great confusion and causing difficulties. And that's why Paul wrote this letter. And that's the subject matter that we're going to be going into in the next few weeks, months, where he's hammering the fact of uh, freedom in Christ Jesus and not slavery. Under the law was slavery. Under Christ was freedom. And this is what he's saying, don't put yourself back into bondage. The fact also that Paul was being challenged was that um, although he had been received 
and uh, very well and affectionately in the beginning uh, and that his ministry was absorbed and accepted graciously um, they have very quickly turned away because when false teachers came in then it's obviously caused them to rethink and Paul's not there to argue his side of it what do we learn from this? Is, and of course, th this is where we have got to be nowadays even more careful than they were. As I mentioned before, they were relying on people coming to them and teaching them in, from the, in the synagogues. What are we relying on today? We have so much in the way of literature um, about Christianity, about how we should live our lives, how we should follow Christ where we should give our priorities to and how our churches should get grow and be bigger and, and if we did this, this and this, this, this and that would happen. And we are subjected to all of that. And we know from experience some people get affected by it and some people are drawn away from what we would re refer to as the truth, what we believe is God's word and what he wants us to take from it. How do we avoid that happening? And I think this is where Paul, in his letter, goes into great detail about telling these Galatian Christians, these Galatian saints, to hold on to what he taught them. Now, what we would say today is, hold on to what the scripture says because Paul was and this is why I think it's so important to establish right at the beginning of this book that Paul was not sent there by man it's quite clear that he was sent he said right at the very beginning of his letter he said it wasn't man that sent me I was sent by God and it was as we read in Acts it was at a time when it was quite clear that the Holy Spirit was upon them and the Lord spoke and, to, and the, 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 those gathered at Antioch in Syria were very clear that God's hand was on these two men and they were sent out by the will of God. That's important because that confidence and that assurance that Paul and Barnabas had he was trying to pass on to those that he spoke to. And it's not an arrogance or a, a big-headedness in, in his part. And sometimes when you read a lot of Paul's writings, you get that impression that Paul's just a big head. He seems he's always pushing himself and telling everybody how good he is. But if you look at it from the point of view, he is confident, absolutely 100% certain, He's been sent by God. He is the mouthpiece of God. So therefore, what he's teaching is from God. He's just the mouthpiece. Therefore, what he's saying to these people, you might, they, don't, they might not be literate. They, might, they don't have a Bible like we have. So he's saying, remember what I said. Uh, hold on to that teaching. And how they did it, I'm not sure, but I imagine that people would take notes and they would pass them amongst themselves. And it would have been important, even more important, that they kept the gathering together of each other uh, so that they could communicate verbally uh, amongst each other 
and encourage one another. And that, Paul would come back a second time and reinforce that. And he came back a third time, reinforced it again. And they're getting the truth from God. We today, we have it in scripture, in the Bible, which is, you might think, even easier. But the disadvantage is that we are just bombarded with so much false teaching outside of the Bible. People's commentaries, people's ideas and thoughts. We need to keep going back to that, be like the Bereans, (laughs) that they didn't accept just what was said. They wanted to read it for themselves and they wanted to study it and be 100% sure it was of God. That's where we should be. So the false teachers had come in claiming this necessity to be burdened again with the law of Moses. They attacked Paul's character and that's why again you get, as I say, Paul's defence that he said he was an apostle. Um, I think there was a sense in which they were saying you're not as great as Peter and James and John because they, they were disciples of the Lord. They, they walked with him for three years. They saw his death um, they, and they've been appointed apostles because they were committed to the Lord Jesus Christ while he was here on earth. That would have been their thinking. And Paul was given the other argument and he said, yeah, I wasn't there. And I wasn't involved with the, the 12 disciples during the Lord was here. But I was called out of due season. I was called specially. <laughs> I was called because I had been prepared in another way. And of course, if you read the story about the... Um, as Paul was previously known as Saul of Tarsus, but when his salvation on the road to Aeneas, um, the road to Pompeii, Damascus, right? it comes eventually, it's old age. Right? The road to Damascus, then he was, he was called in a special way. And again, the, the, the purposes of God in calling Paul in that way is so that he could refute this type of um, attack that you're not really <laughs> you're not a real apostle uh, you're a secondary guy you know you, you've come in late or whatever Satan's going to use to try and divert the purp- his, God's purposes uh, he's able to stand up and say no okay I wasn't one of the 12 disciples but I was called by God from heaven always saying all the others were called by the Lord Jesus Christ on earth so he was always sort of saying I can can elevate myself a bit higher here Uh, but it was was just combating this argument that um, against his character and his reputation he encourages them to hold on to the great gospel doctrine and that, that, that is again what we, you're going, we're going to be looking at and um, I think 
this is where it's coming from. Uh, this is why Paul wrote, and these were the main things that he was dealing with. He's dealing with the attack on him. Who is he to say what he said? And also talking about this freedom of uh, that salvation brings. That don't go back to the bondage of the, the law of Moses. Uh, you, you've been in Jesus Christ. You have been freed from that. Um, so really just at the beginning of the chapter there just as an introductory the things that I would just want to bring out and leave with you are the fact that uh, one as I've mentioned that uh, he was not called by men he was called by Christ Um, he was writing on behalf of all of those who were with him so again I don't know how that would have manifested itself. It was almost would have been that Paul would have written the letter and then handed it round to those that he was working with and saying, "Are you in agreement?" Now I mention that again because it brings in unity and the importance of unity. That when somebody like Paul is writing to, uh, in this case, four churches of God, and he's writing doctrine and he's uh, appealing to them on what he believes is truth. He's not doing that just on his own. Even although he's clearly somebody who's been called by, of God, by God, uh, but he's involving those that are with him. And I can imagine he would have said, do you agree with this? In other words, will you sign this letter as well? So that he's able to say, um, it's from me and all those that are with me. And I can imagine their signatures being on it as well. He sends them grace, he sends them peace, and he sends them the love of Christ in the fact that he had given himself. And it's saying to them that you've been delivered from the present evil that we are living in. And this is 2,000 years ago, so we all think the world got 10 times worse than it was then. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but it's it was evil then, it's certainly evil now. We've been delivered from that and this is the, the basis of this letter, is that the understanding uh, that you've not been removed from this world, you've been rescued from this world and that is the importance uh, of est- getting established so that you see your rescue and it's the power of it and the outcome of it is glory. At the end of verse five, glory forever and ever. And he puts an amen right at the beginning of his letter, not at the end, because he's saying, this is the establishing, this is the important fact of the letter. And so let it be. That's a crucial bit. Accept that. And now we'll go on to the nitty gritty of the bits in the Bible. So I'll leave it there um, as a a brief introduction to uh, this letter. Um, It's well worth, if you've got maps at the back of your your Bible, you know, follow up what I said. 
and uh, you can you can some of the maps have actually got the the, the journeys of Paul, and you can see where he's gone, and um, you can see where it is in uh, Turkey, as we'll call it today, and it's it, it just brings it, it's more real, uh, and how these this letter would have been read to the four churches that would have been passed on to each one of them on the low. That one was 90 miles apart, another one was 40, another was 50. They're not exactly <laughs> close, um, but travel in these days would, would, uh, would have gone done by donkey and horse, etc. So let's pray.